Hello and welcome to Intellectual Property Magazine's podcast. I'm Ben Wadecki and this is episode 10, The Future of Friend. On the pod today is Osborne Clark's Artie Rajendra. Artie's a partner and UK head of IP disputes and advises on all IP rights, including trademarks and patents, and specialises in FRAN technology disputes. Artie, thanks for coming on the pod. How are you? Very good, thank you. Obviously, uh, you know, what the current situation regarding COVID is affecting everybody, but uh, nice to be participating in this event. Thank you. And also joining us is Tess Waldron from Powell Gilbert. A senior associate of the firm, Tess advises clients on a broad range of issues across the full spectrum of IP rights. Thanks for joining us, Tess. How are you? Yes, very well, thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me to be part of this conversation. No problem at all. With the introductions out of the way, it's time to get on with the pod. So today, we're looking at the future of Frand. Tess, let's start things off with you. What do you see the future of Frand looking like? Are we set for litigation increases or perhaps fairer licensing environments? What's your take on this? I mean, that's quite a big topic. I think if I had to pick one thing to watch, I think maybe licensing outside of the smartphone sector is going to be interesting to see how that develops. I mean, in particular, you can see how the Internet of Things might lead to a greater flexibility in terms of licensing models because as you get all these new market entrants, participants will have to work to see what licensing model is going to suit them. For example, what's going to work for a car manufacturer might not work if you're making fridges. And also, I think perhaps licensors might have to come up with some different strategies um, in order to deal with a potentially large number of smaller players. I think the IoT market is going to have a pretty long tail. So strategies are going to need to be put in place as to how you chase down all small connectivity users and it it will be fascinating to see how that works out, whether patentees will form pools and have a sort of common enforcement program or whether some entities will be small enough to fly under the radar. But I see that as the sort of really next big field over the next sort of five years or so. How about you, Artie? What do you see changing? Anything increasing or, or, or like Tess was saying, anything on the emerging market side? What's your take? Well, first of all, I completely agree with Tess. Good insight about the way this topic is going to evolve. As to disputes themselves, I think it's obviously we've had good and clear guidance from the UK courts willing to determine terms of a global friend license. I mean, without a doubt, that's going to be now what other courts and other jurisdictions are going to be doing as a matter of course. I think quite recently, one of the US judges has said that they need to rethink the US's attitude to this kind of thing in light of a My Planet decision. So we'll see more of these types of disputes being litigated in all around the world in in those courts where willing to hear these types of disputes and sophisticated enough to, to hear and decide them. Artie, you actually said the uh, On My Planet first. Now, you both were on the opposing side in that case, Artie, you were representing Unwired, and that's probably going to be the biggest case in terms of altering the future of Fran. So let's keep it civil. Artie, from your side of things, how do you see the ruling altering the future of Fran? Well, first of all, it was all very cordial. I don't think uh, Tess and I would disagree about that. In fact, you know, when parties, solicitors particularly, get on and can do things sensibly and, you know, act cooperatively, that can reduce the cost of litigation and help clients on both sides. So uh, that's the way I try and conduct myself. I was co-counsel with a, with another law firm, EIP, in relation to the Unwired Planet case. It was a complete game changer in terms of the line that Unwired Planet took. They stuck to and 
having a fabulous judge like Colin Burst. And of course, it's helped that it's been upheld all the way. And the other thing I think is that it was being watched by all other jurisdictions. And it wasn't just, you know, a UK, a parochial UK thing. There were whole conferences in the US just about this case. So it, it sort of shows that the UK is at the cutting edge of IP disputes. I'm pleased about the result as well, but uh, it's, it's good for UK litigation all round. How about you, Tess? Obviously, being on the opposing side, you must see the ruling differently. How do you see it in terms of altering the future of Friend? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, obviously, echo what Artie said I mean even in the most heated piece of litigation which this you know this wasn't it was very cordial after six years I think um, it'd be hard to keep up any any level of animosity but certainly it was um, you know I feel like we have a good relationship with the solicitors on the other side and you know obviously including Artie and um, in many ways it was just a really interesting case to be involved in and great colleagues to work opposite in terms of the ruling itself I mean my feeling really is that the original burst decision was really the game changer as Artie says subsequently his approach has just been endorsed by the higher courts. And as such, I feel like more recently, attention's really been turning towards a whole load of questions which sort of follow on from the approach the UK has been taking. For instance, are other courts going to adopt the same approach? And as Artie says, that seems almost inevitable. How are courts going to address parallel disputes and decisions? Is there going to be a convergence of approach? How are they going to recognise decisions that have been taken in other jurisdictions? Are we going to see people racing to the courts and trying to get jurisdiction and an increase in jurisdictional battles? You know, we're already starting to see a bit of that happening. Does the contractual interpretation of the Etsy Frand undertaking, which Colin Burst handed down and which has been endorsed by the higher courts, does that apply to other SSO policies? You know, is the approach now being taken by the UK and perhaps perhaps other courts going to lead to a greater use of ADR mechanisms? So I think there's a whole load of like fascinating follow-on points which we're going to see play out over the next few years, which will be very interesting to watch. So moving away a little bit from from Unwired, Tess, earlier on you you mentioned about the kind of the, some of the emerging technologies coming through in this area. IoT is what you were mentioning. Looking ahead, what kind of other emerging technologies like your blockchain, your AI, or, or even big data in terms of having an impact on future frown disputes? Any, anything else you see in that side of things? I mean, as I understand it, the standardization of blockchain is going to be required to ensure you know, increasing interoperability. And the standardization of certain AI is going to be required to ensure sort of safety and reliability. And in particular, I'm thinking there with the sort of use of algorithms for medical diagnoses and things like that. AI standardization programs are well underway now, including the ISO standardization in the area of artificial intelligence. You know, at a very general level, any standardization program is going to give a rise to a risk of competition law issues, you know, one aspect of which is going to be mitigated by ensuring that access to the relevant standard is offered to market participants on frown terms. And inevitably, when you have that sort of commercial background playing out or, you know, in operation, then you're going to see disputes as to what exactly is is front the front terms for those patents how about you Artie anything on the emerging technology side or are you seeing any any other issues emerging that that IP professionals should be paying attention to going forward one of the things that came out of the connected cars autonomous vehicles moving towards you know effectively being you know implementers of cellular technology was that I think some of them were really taken by surprise because this wasn't the world that they were used to unlike the mobile phone manufacturers they They've always existed in this standardized technology world. They know what FRAND is. They know what standard essential patents are. They know all about Etsy. Manufacturers of connected cars didn't know anything about this kind of thing. They'd never had to face these challenges. They didn't really know where to start. And I remember 
talking to one of those manufacturers and they were saying, you know, we, we just don't even have the people in house that know how to deal with this kind of thing. And it was a, you know, it was a, a huge learning curve for them. And of course, now they're embroiled in lots of litigation in US and Germany. So they, they you know, they've skilled up. But anyone involved in IoT, you know, Tess mentioned earlier, fridge manufacturers, they're going to have to understand this world now. And they're going to need, you know, people in-house and externally that also under, understand this to help guide them through what is a fairly complex area of law and a whole sort of stream of business thinking and methodology that they'll, they're going to have to get used to and, and learn about pretty quickly. I like how you saying it was a culture shock. This case has been going on for six years. I find it so terrifying because it's so, I find it so complex. You two are the experts. That's why we brought you on the show. Can you offer any advice to IP professionals looking ahead towards the future of Fran to kind of ease their concerns? Tess can contradict me if she wants, but I don't think any of the parties in the Unwired Planet litigation knew it was going to end up in six years of litigation in the Supreme Court. It's a journey that everyone has been on. There's a question of really how much you even really need to know about patent law to understand FRAND. And there's there's competition law, Tess mentioned earlier, contractual interpretation. You need a range of skills. One thing I would say is what we have got, and I appreciate it's potentially quite narrow now when you look at all the other side disputes that we're hearing about, Fran, that are going through the courts at the minute, but we've got a really clear judgment from Colin first. Court of Appeals, very clear and the Supreme Court is even clearer and I'm mean, a non-patent specialist can read that judgment and understand the guidance, the various conflicting views and uh, see a pathway. So definitely don't be scared. That's the wrong way to look at it. Keep your eyes open. I mean, it's an exceptionally fast moving field at the moment and it's evolving rapidly across multiple jurisdictions in parallel. So it's a little bit blink and you'll miss it in terms of the most recent updates. So if you want to decide on your global life brand licensing strategy, I think it's quite important to try and keep up to date. So date with developments as they're, as they're coming in um, from the various courts. That said, I echo RT. There's nothing to be worried about. There's, you're not necessarily or you're almost inevitably not going to get embroiled in a six-year like tussle in the UK courts. And it's worth bearing in mind in all of this that between a willing licensor and a willing licensee, theory, there shouldn't be too many issues. And if there are sticking points such as, you know, price or, you know, or territoriality, then there's always, you know, ADR offering a relatively, hopefully quick and cost-effective way of resolving those sorts of disputes. Is there anything looking ahead to next year just quickly that you see as like the case that people should be paying attention to? Anything in the year ahead that, that professionals in this area should be focusing on? Well, from my point of view, I think the most interesting things are going to be so we've got the Fran trial in the conversant case coming up. So the, the point of interest there is what deference the UK court's going to pay to the Fran rate that was set by the Chinese court. It's obviously quite an important question. There's ongoing questions about whether the appropriate remedy for damages, that is for patent infringement of a SAP going backwards, is you know a glo- is global license fees effectively. Now that plea was recently struck out by Colin Burse, but in the IPCOM HTC case, but that they are that is being appealed. So that's another quite important point to look out for. So in the UK, those are the from my point of view the two most interesting. And then globally, just you know sitting back and watching what's going to happen between the Chinese courts and the Indian courts and into digital Xiaomi, see what's going on in the US you know, Germany, um, the Netherlands, all pretty active Fran jurisdictions. So lo- lots to look forward to if you've got an interest in uh, in this area of law. Actually, the conversant case just settled. That is a little bit disappointing, actually, because there were going to be several questions 
that were going to be answered by that case. But I think there is one other coming through potentially next year. This isn't a sort of a shout out, but actually I am involved in another case, Optis Against Apple, which actually also relates to the Unwired Planet portfolio. It's the same group. One of the questions that's come up in that case is what is a willing licensee and whether a willing licensee is entitled to enforce the Etsy undertaking. And that trial is currently listed for July 2021. So there are some quite interesting issues around willing licensees and and the CISVEL and Hire decision from Germany also touches upon this. So I think that's quite an interesting area to, to look out for in the next 12 months or so. That's it from us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to tune in next time wherever you get your podcast from. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out ipmagazine.com for the latest IP news, views and developments from around the world. Thank you and please stay safe. <laughs> <laughs>